Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports. Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. It is time to go to the phones, and it's time for our master of everything outdoors, the man that I look up to, but only because he's taller than me, Nate Zelensky. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing fantastic. It's uh, what a beautiful weekend. It is a beautiful weekend. Everything is biting. and uh, When everything's biting, it makes my life as a fishing guide much easier than uh, sometimes it has to work a little harder for him. Yeah, Austin Parr is in studio with me, and he's smiling when you said that because he knows exactly what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. He's going to do the same thing I am. Yeah, yeah. and I, I got I to gotta tell you that one of my things is, you know, I just, well, you and I, we did that, you did your preliminary scouting for big game last week, and I, I included that in my Denver Post column. And this time of the year has to tug at you a little bit because I know that you want to be out there watching those those animals move. And at the same time, how do you not be on the water? I mean, that's just it. You know, everything's going. Uh, just a general year. So the years that we talk about, when you have late ice off, it's not that that's a bad thing, but it kind of crunches the spring, number one, because you have limited more time on the water. But number two, it rushes the spawn and it just kind of makes for a different year as opposed to when you have an early ice off. Generally speaking, if you look at, you know, the past 17 years that I've been a guide, every year that we have early ice off, it brings on phenomenal fishing. It brings on good water temperatures. It brings on earlier status of bait growth. It it just brings on a, a phenomenal year, and we had that this year, and it is 100% uh, following the status quo of being a phenomenal year for angling for all species. So that's fantastic. And then talking about big game, I you know, I guided big game hunts for 10 years. I got out of the guiding for it. Now, uh, you know, I've always been a hunter, but I'm trying to get way back more into the industry. So uh, I think I'm uh, involved, whether I'm filming or, or hunting myself. I think I'm going to end up doing 13 hunts this fall. So uh, I have got a jam-packed fall, and I'm I'm uh, going to be going on three sheep hunts. Uh, so that's going to kind of start my season off a little earlier than normal as we start those in early August. Uh, so it, it's going to be a jam-packed fall. We are definitely putting a lot of attention on the animals right now. Uh, it's a good time to be out there, especially as they're calving. Uh, you know, the cabin just hit the ground. So it just makes for these animals to be out and about just a little bit longer. So lots to do in uh, the Colorado outdoors right now. That's for sure. And on that being said, instead of talking this incredible walleye bite that's going on or how we're hammering the bass everywhere or the big pike up at Spinney, you want to talk about carp. What's up with that? You know, actually, you know, we, we got so much going on. We've been talking about walleye. Everybody's following our Facebook pages for walleye and all that. And, you know, we every year we talk carp a little bit. And it's one of those things that we want to start that now because Chatfield on Sunday night is when the first time I saw it, it seemed like our bait, bait really showed up Sunday night. You know, I go out early in the mornings and I check the bait fish population before I start diving. And really Monday we started to see the bait at a lot of these lakes. Now, I don't think they're going to have an impact on the fishing for about 10 days or so. So I think uh, Chatfield, Cherry Creek, within the next 10 days, you're going to start to see those fish uh, having a little bit more full of a belly. And I don't think by any means the bite is going to get bad. It might go from like a Chatfield catching 180 a day to maybe catching 60. But, uh, well, you know, we, it's, we, it's we going to have an impact. We talked about that earlier, too. And it's not only going to get, you know, but it's, it's going to be good fishing, but it's going to be different fishing. Different fishing, absolutely. And, and with that said, when you start getting into the heat of the summer and, 
again, we're not at this point yet, but I wanted to talk about it so people kind of have it in their head. Uh, but let's say the bite gets tough for whatever you're targeting. Very few anglers, I mean, it's a growing population, a very quickly growing population, but regardless, it's still a small number of the anglers and the outdoorsmen that take advantage of the opportunity at literally one of the ultimate sport fish in the state, the common carp. It's, it's a fish that is uh, amazing to target in all aspects. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I really want to put some emphasis on the opportunities and when and where you should take place with these opportunities. Now, obviously, I'm a huge European angler. I love Euro carp fishing, you know, the, the boilies, the bait, you know, the, the pods, everything that you do in the Euro style of carp angling. I'm a huge fan. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to, to kind of announce all our dates for our carp tournaments coming up here in the next two months. Um, but I'm a huge carp angler in that regard. I'm also a big avid carp fly fisherman. We absolutely love doing those trips. Um, but I'm also now uh, kind of the, the face of the diamond sonar as far as bow fishing. So I literally utilize the, the opportunities for carp in all aspects. But more importantly, a lot of the Euro guys are saying, Nate, you love the carp. How are you possibly shooting these carp? It doesn't make sense. You know, there's a lot of a lot of talk going around, and really we promote carp as, as that ultimate sport fish, no matter how you target them. But more importantly, we want to talk and really preach to anglers the opportunities that are out there, and especially with the bow fishing. You know, myself personally, I, I do not shoot carp or, or take advantage of the bow fishing aspect in lakes that don't have a population problem. So a lot of our front-range Chatfield, Cherry Creek, they have more than the carp they need, but it's a very healthy population. As opposed to you look at lakes like Bar Lake, you look at Jackson, Sterling, you look at 11 Mile, and all of a sudden you're starting to see a carp population that is on the verge or already past the stage of almost being unhealthy because the, the overall biomass of carp in that fishery is starting to get too large. Those are the lakes that, unfortunately, carp really don't have any predators. Uh, you know, the, the minnow source doesn't get utilized near as much because of the inverted uh, kind of vertebrae on the center of their back. So they're not a, a, a minnow-style base for a lot of fish that feed on them. Very few anglers take them home as a food source. Uh, so it's in those lakes that we as the anglers and the, the sport fishermen have to take advantage and a lot of times harvest some of the carp in these other lakes just to thin out that population to make it a healthier presence. We're not trying to get rid of them, but just make it to where it's healthy, where you can start seeing some bigger fish. I mean, you look at a lot of the Eastern Plains lakes and the population is actually, or the, the population of large fish is dwindling because there's too many fish in those fisheries. Certainly been seeing that in Sterling too. We were out there catching a lot of walleyes and, and catching a few little tiny carp as well. You know, you don't see, yep. that, don't see very many little ones out at uh, Chatfield or Cherry Creek. So, I mean, that's it. You know, so I mean, really, uh, you know, wh whatever you want to turn, you want to be a Euro angler, you want to be a fly fishing angler, you want to bull fish, we don't like the opportunity of big fish. So, again, people are like, Nate, how do you possibly, you know, kill a carp? It's more in the aspect of conservation. You know, again, these lakes that are far overpopulated. I would rather go to a, a Jackson, a bar, a Sterling, and harvest some carp with, with bow fishing equipment, have a fun day doing it, you know, try to utilize, utilize the carp after we shoot them. Um, but more importantly, help the, the biologists and help the you know, parks and wildlife in that population, opposed to seeing these get so out of control that they have to start netting them and utilize their time and money to, to net these fish. Or you know, if it ever got so out of control, you'd have to rope on the lake. So it does get to that point at, at some times when it gets too bad. So it's great for the sportsmen to help out, you know, parks and wildlife and, and utilize the fisheries in which they are overpopulated uh, and just help the overall system kind of work and flow. 
You know, uh, Nate, this we've talked about this earlier in the show, too, and we've done such a good job in the United States of teaching people catch and release. Um, and you're, you know about my involvement over many years within fishermen, and you do some things with them. And their philosophy has always been, and when I was there was the same, is selective harvest. There is a time to harvest. There's a time to take some for the table. There's a time to for population management, like they're doing out on the West Slope with some of the smallmouth now. There are times when it's better to harvest than to catch and release i mean that's it you know and the big thing i think is out there is the the parks and wildlife is a source that is happy to work with you i think so many people are afraid to talk to a wildlife officer or stop into their broadway office or any of their satellite offices and ask them i know that when i personally do do the boat fishing thing i call them i call the the area manager i stop down at 6060 broadway and just say hey i'm going to go boat fishing for carp i'm really excited about it you have a suggestion, and they are more than happy to say, absolutely, we would love to see you go to X, Y, and Z location to help us with that management out there. Uh, so, again, so many people, I think, get scared. You know, they look on the website. If they don't you know, navigate through there correctly, they don't find the information, they give up. But they say, man, that's a terrible source. You know, as opposed to that, that human connection, you know, go back to the grassroots, have a, concert, you know, have a conversation with a wildlife officer and say, hey, I'm going to go carp fishing. You know, I want to do this, I want to release, or I want to keep, or I want to harvest, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And they're happy to walk you through the lakes that they need the help on. And again, so many times, help from the angler goes a long ways in that aspect, instead of having to use their time and money uh, to control certain situations. So, you know, check it out. And again, the odds, let's say talking about youth real quick, because that's the big thing that we got started in the whole carp conservation, the whole carp opportunity with, was... The chance that any youth, and again, you can be 20 years and younger, it can be an adult, but you're getting back into fishing, you're growing as an angler, you want more opportunity at an angler. The odds of you having a great bass fishery or a great trout fishery or a great walleye fishery near in a lake that you can walk to or very close to your house, ride a bike uh, or drive a short distance on a busy weekend. But the odds that you have a body of water that has good carp angling near your house is far greater than, again, the trophy bass, walleye or trout fishery. So why not utilize that? You know, so many people are after the big fight, the thrill of a fight from a fish. You're not going to find a bigger fight from any sport fish in Colorado as much as you will a carp. As far as opportunity of numbers of fish, same thing. You have more opportunity at catching those carp. So put some education into it. I tell you, they're not as easy to catch as everybody thinks they are. They they catch them by accident, and they assume they're easy to catch. Uh, you know, but you get forced to go out there and try to catch a handful in a given day. It'll surprise you at how smart these fish are and how hard they are to target when you're actually trying to catch a handful of them. But put some education into that. Go out, spend some opportunity. I promise you, you'll have some of the best days in the water catching carp in the waters near you. Well, another thing it does too, Nate, and I've always preached this, is, you know, everybody hopefully is going to have a time in their life when they're going to have that 10-pound brown or that 30-inch walleye or that 45-inch pike or that 6- or 8-pound bass on, and there's a pucker factor when that happens. And you don't (laughs) necessarily, you know, and if you've never handled big fish before, if you've never had the opportunity to play a big fish, where with carp, I know it's still a great fight and it's a big fish, but you don't feel that same anxiety that you might lose it because, okay, it's a carp. There might be another one, but they'll yep. fight every bit as good as those other fish. You land a couple 10, 20-pound carp, and that when you do hook that 10-pound brown or that 20-pound pike, and you can attest to this too, Austin, both you guys as guides, Absolutely. it just makes people a better angler, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I Nate, mean, absolutely. You know, 
all of us right now have been talking to a, to a good friend of ours, Armin, who's going to spend some time at, you know, Terry all at Jefferson Lake over the couple of days. And, you know, Austin, you fish Jefferson a lot. And I can't tell you how many giant lake trout I've caught at Jefferson that have hooks all over their front <laughs> yep. lips. I mean, it looks like they just left a piercing gallery. And it's from people that have never dealt with a big fish. You know, your, your power bait fishing for young rainbows are throwing a spinner. And all of a sudden, that 15-pound laker swims up from the depths and grabs, uh, grabs your bait, and you're not anticipating it. And you have no idea how to handle that big fish. Drag's not set appropriately, the right line, the hook set even. And you lose the opportunity. Again, spend some time with some carp. When you do hook one, instead of trying to break it off or just land it quick, Work on your skills, uh, and again, it'll go a long way. Same thing at Terriel. I can't tell you how many big pike I catch that got all the jewelry in their mouth from the fact that, you know, guys are targeting these stalker rainbows. They hook this giant pike, and they have no idea how to land it. And you can land most of these fish with the average equipment as long as you, the angler, are prepared to do so. Well, you know, I'll give you a great example of that. Karen and I were up in uh, Manitoba. We were jigging for walleyes. She had six-pound test on an eight-ounce jig head. And she caught and landed a 45-inch, 30-pound pike. Absolutely. And I mean, I mean, if you look at most of the Canadian trips, most of the biggest pike that I catch on the trip is while walleye fishing instead of northern fishing. Right. And, you know, you can't – there's no room for making an error when you've got that kind of a fish on with six-pound test line. But if you handle a few big fish, at least you're giving yourself a chance. It's just like anything. You know, you, you talk about practicing and, and getting dialed in with your technique, but fighting a big fish is the exact same way. Nate, we're going to have to go. If you were going fishing tomorrow, where would you go? You know, there, there's so much opportunity. I tell you, I'm uh, I'm at my house. I try to avoid the water. I know we got a lot of our team members at Tightline on the water day guiding, but I can see 285 off in the distance, and it is fairly busy. I tell you, <laughs> it seems like everybody in Colorado goes to the high country for the 4th of July weekend. I would probably spend some time on the front range targeting Carper Walleye uh, while both those opportunities are there. Again, everybody's in the high country. Now's the time to stay on the front range. It's opposite of what a lot of people think. Everybody's like, oh, avoid Chatfield, Cherry Creek on the weekend. You know, it's crazy. But I'll tell you what, it sure seems like uh, everybody in Colorado is passing my house right now as we speak. So I'd sit, spend some time on the front range. All right, Nate, we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. See you later, guys. All right. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. And speaking of Sportsman's Warehouse, we're going to go right to the phones. And joining us from the Sportsman's Warehouse in Thornton, you see it up there on 84th Avenue as you drive by, we have Jason. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Terry. Um, you know, I wanted to have you on. We're going to do an Ask the Expert, which you guys sponsor here in just a minute. But before we do that, wanted to have you on because you got a big event we're going to take part on on the 15th of July. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're doing a big event. We're calling Sportsman's Summerfest, and it's on July 15th from 9 to 5. And we're going to have um, ATV dealers and camper dealers, and CPW is going to be out here. A lot of our vendors that um, that we work with are going to be out here. We're going to have food. We're going to have seminars. We're going to do some demos and some, some raffles and prizes and just have a really good time. Um, we're also going to have some of the outdoor organizations and some volunteer organizations out here as well. Um, and, yeah, we're just going to have a fun event in the parking lot, and, um, you know, hopefully we can get all your – Listeners, come out and join us. It's going to be like a, a sports show in the parking lot and store at Sportsman's Warehouse, and you get to not only see the goods you have there, but all these other vendors there and the, and the ATVs and the campers and everything. And I'll bet you're going to have some pretty good sales going on while this is on, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a lot of in-store specials going on at the same time. 
So if people want more information about it, Facebook, website, how do they find it? Uh, both of those, yeah. It's on our website right now, and it's, uh, it's on our Facebook as well. We'll be um, updating our Facebook uh, every couple of days with, with new vendors and stuff like that as we get closer to the event. And by the way, it's on my Facebook, on Terry Wisham Outdoors, which I haven't pushed enough today because you can keep in touch with the show there. But anyway, just a lot going on. Jason, I know you got to run, but yep. thanks for giving us the update, and hopefully we'll get a lot of people. I'll be broadcasting live from 9 to 11, and I tend to stick around for an hour or two afterwards. And I, I, you and I talked. I might have a few little goodies for people if they find me after the show, right? You just might have some, yep. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Have a good day. You bet. That's uh, Jason from Sportsman's Warehouse. I tell you what, next what I want to do is I want to do our Ask the Expert. And, uh, Austin, this is a, a thing we do on the show where if you send in any outdoor question to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, now the best way to find this is just go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. There's a post on my Facebook page. gives you all the instructions. But you send your question to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. It can be fishing, hunting, camping, anything outdoors. If we choose to answer it on the air, you get a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse just for sending the question in, and we send it to you. You don't have to come pick it up, and there's locations all over. So it's a great opportunity. What it does is allows me to interact with the audience and find out what do they want to hear about, what topics do they want us to cover. Well, today's question is from Gail in Castle Rock. She goes, my question, she said something very nice about my show before that, but I won't, I'll, I won't do that. I'm too humble. Well, maybe I'm not, but I'm not going to read it anyway. My my question is, what is a good way to learn what knots to use, how to tie these knots? This would be for both spin casting and fly fishing. We would also like to know where you would suggest going to get our feet wet, trying our luck with fishing. We are both novices and would like to enjoy this sport together. We live in Castle Rock, and some, so somewhere close to try. Thank you for answering my question. Austin, well, it's a two-part question. Let's start with, um, before we get to the knots, let's start with the fishing part. Absolutely. I think before whether you want to go fly fishing or spin fishing, I, I do both. I'm sure you do both. As do I, absolutely. And But I think starting out, I'd kind of pick one and then gravitate to the other and see which one you like. But the first thing I would suggest before you even buy any gear is book a guide trip. Would you agree with that? I certainly would. You know, a guide gives you the opportunity to go out with really nice equipment and really get a feel for which type of fishing you really, you would really like to wind up doing. Certainly, you can go out conventional fishing, maybe try a boat, catch some walleyes, maybe some trout, but also you could try a fly fishing guide as well. Go out there, and, and that guide can not only give you instructions on what exactly you need to be doing, which certainly helps to lessen the learning curve, but can also talk about lure or fly selection, where to find the fish in a river or a lake, and then in general, different tips to help uh, make you a better angler overall. And I think one of the keys when you're booking this kind of a trip is to have a good conversation with maybe two or three guides. Absolutely. And, and talk to them and say, this is what I want to do. Now, I'm going to be fishing from shore, so maybe you can cut, orient me that way, or I, I am going to fish from a boat, or I'm going to fish mostly rivers or lakes. Talk to the guy. Tell him that although everybody wants to catch fish, but tell him the priority is to learn. Before you go out and buy any equipment, because you just don't know what your style is going to be or how you're going to fish. Now, I could tell you 
if I was going to buy a spinning rod, you'd probably agree with this to start out. I'd probably buy a six to six and a half foot medium spinning rod and put six or eight pound cast on it. If I was going to buy a fly rod, I'd probably get a five weight with floating line. And those would be my starting. But you really need to figure out what you're going to do first. Certainly. And there's a lot of small nuances, you know, and as a guide, I love trips like this because you can go out there and and really give the client your knowledge. You can go out and talk about exactly why something is happening and and go through everything that's going on on a particular day. And not only with with the fish, but also the equipment that you just mentioned right there and really help to get some clients dialed in. That certainly is a a good way to wind up going. Now, if they do want to go up by themselves, do you have any waters that aren't too far from Castle Rock? I would say Chatfield right away, but what do you think? Chatfield's not a bad spot, but even Evergreen Lake's really not that far away. Uh, You could go up and, and get some fantastic action with some trout or even go... Um, down to the Platte River, although that might be a little bit more difficult down there. It certainly allows for a fantastic fishery uh, that's really not that far away from them. And you know what? You could stop by and talk. We're, we're going to stay tuned to the end of the show. There's lots of contact information. You have a Facebook page? I do, yes. So uh, my personal Facebook page under Austin Pars for certainly fine right there, but my uh, phone number is 303-514-5546, and I'm more than happy to help answer any questions on text or call or anything like that. Now, knots. Uh, you know, people get uh, fly fishermen try to use different knots than spin fishermen. But overall in fishing, you really can get by to start out with, with just maybe three or four knots. Absolutely. You know, and, and a lot of people gravitate towards what you would call a clench knot. Slang term potentially is a, a fisherman's knot. I, as a guide, like a uni knot a lot. It's a very easy knot to tie. You don't have to go back through a little tiny hole, and it slides really nice after you're you're done. How about you, Terry? Which, which one do you like? You know, I use the uni to uni when I'm putting leaders. I Absolutely. fish with a lot of leaders, and that's one knot. And you know what? Fly fishermen like to use a blood knot to do their leaders, or, or but the uni to uni is a great fly fishing knot, too. It you is. You could start out. If you learn that uni knot, as a line-to-line knot, too, that can you can use that for your tippet and everything in fly fishing. I, I, I kind of use I use a lot of uh, fluorocarbon leaders, and I do use an improved clinch. It's just because I've tied it forever. Certainly. If I'm teaching other people, um, there's a couple knots I use. One of them, if I'm just using braid, is I use uh, a San Diego jam. Yep. It's a much different knot. It's easier to tie. And a lot of people will say polymer. And that's a very good knot. You just have to be careful that you tie the right knot for the right line. But if you learn one or two knots to connect to the the fly or the lure and one or two knots that connect the line line to line, that's really all you need to start with. And there's a lot of programs on the Internet that will animate those for you. Absolutely. You know, you can go anywhere from, from YouTube or, or some of the knot wars that Berkeley has put on that is, you know, really showcased a variety of different ways to tie a lure or a fly on. But the, the biggest thing, no matter what knot you're choosing, the biggest thing you have to do is practice. You know, so many times I see people going out there and they're just struggling with their knots. And not only does it make it difficult when you break off, but it also is difficult and, and helps to deter that angler from really changing something when something actually needs to be changed. So if they're they're worried about how long it's going to take them to tie something, it, it really cuts down on their fish catching at I, the end of the day. If you learn a, a, a uni knot and a uh, improve clinch. You can do most of your fishing. If you want to add one, maybe add a polymer or a trilene. Knot. Absolutely. I would agree with that. And just add those. But there's lots online. Just get them. They're all animated. Get a big piece of rope and practice. Don't practice with fishing line. Yes. You know, at first, get that knot. Get everything dialed in on, on a big piece of rope. I like fly line backing a lot. 
Uh, it's nice and bright, and you can see it, and it, it manages well. But then once you get comfortable, go down, turn the TV on, and start practicing with some fishing line. That's our Ask the Expert question for today. For sending that in, Gail from Castle Rock gets a $25 gift card from Sportsman's Warehouse. You can get one by sending your questions, any outdoor question, to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Works from Outdoors is brought to you by the Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. The secret is in the fire. We're going to go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite people from Colorado Clays is Corey. Good morning, Corey. Good morning, Terry. I, I have a real problem. <laughs> what is that? Well, I've got Austin Parr in studio with me. He's a big waterfall hunter, and he has never shot at Colorado Clays. Can oh, my you, gosh, that's horrible. I don't think he can probably hit anything. Do you? <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he, why he even bothers to go out if he hasn't practiced with you guys. Exactly right. <laughs> I, I think you better tell him everything you have out there, Corey. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're a public shooting range. We're located 30 minutes outside of downtown Denver. We've got trap, skeet, and sporting clays for shotgun shooters, and then a 100-yard rifle range and a 25-yard handgun range. And uh, tell them how expensive it is to shoot, like, uh, some clays at the trap or the or the skeet. A round of trap is $7. I keep telling you you got to charge more. You know that. <laughs> but it, it's fantastic. I tell you what, Austin, if you need to go out there and meet these people and shoot. Because, first of all, and I mean this, Corey, you guys are just the nicest people we've ever worked with. And you treat people so well. But your facility is so first class, too. So I'm going to – the only problem I have sending them out to shoot there, Corey – is he's a fishing guide on Chatfield and Cherry Creek. Doug and Jr. are going to monopolize his time. Yeah, he won't get any shooting done if he if they know that he's coming out. Yeah, I yeah, know. It'll be done. Yeah, you're right. You know, speaking of people coming out and things, this is Fourth of July. I'm sure you want to wish all your patrons a happy holiday. You are closed on the Fourth. Yeah, we are always closed on Tuesday. So it just so happens that on Fourth of July we are closed, but that's our normal closed day. We're open six days a week from nine to five, and we're open year round. And uh, this weekend, we've had a lot of calls about our hours. We're just running normal um, nine to five each day. All right, nine to five each day. But a lot of people are going to have extra time off because they took vacations, they got extended the week, and they don't necessarily have all kinds of plans. You know, this would be a great time to come out to Colorado Clays. Even if you don't shoot, come out and kick the tires and look around, right? Yeah, no, we get a lot of people just, you know, passing through. We're just off of Interstate 76 near Bar Lake State Park, so it's a great drive to come out here. Um, yeah, I've noticed a lot of families. We've had a lot of calls today about, um, you know, what our hours are for next week. So if you stayed in town and weren't lucky enough to be able to go on a big camping trip or camping trip or something like that, then, you know, bring the family out. We love our customers. We love people coming out. We love taking care of people. So if you are looking for a family activity next week, you know, bring your guns and come out and uh, shoot with us or just come out and check it out. And uh, we'll love to show you around and get you going. And it really is a family atmosphere and you're going to be, you know, you can be either practicing in a safe environment or teaching and exposing people to firearms in a very safe environment. And if you don't have a shotgun, I believe you guys rent some. Yeah, we sure do. We rent shotguns. Um, if you've never shot before and you want to get a taste for it, we've got some great instructors um, that we can recommend. Um, they are listed. We've got a bunch of biographies and information on our website about all of our preferred instructors. Um, yeah, so if you've never done it before and you're just curious or want to check it out, we are happy to help those folks get going. Or if you need to come out and practice, I know that the last few weeks that uh, you and Mark have been talking about, um, it seems early to start talking about hunting, but 
really it's not. Um, so, you know, we've got the rifle and pistol range, particularly the rifle range, not too early to start um, sighting in and working on your rifle for um, for hunting. So, yeah, we've got a little bit of everything here. Well, in fact, my column in the Denver Post this last week featured Nate Zielinski and then Mark Cousins, who works at your range, talking about I have a my my motto, motto is don't get ready for hunting. Stay ready. Now, you're going to have to go out to Colorado Clays to do this, Austin. So. Absolutely. we got dove season right around the corner. All right. Well, that's the know it. It really, and and you know what happens? People try to go out a week or two before, whether it's upland game or waterfall or big game, and all of a sudden their firearm isn't working right, or their scope is out of whack, a reticle is broken, or there's an action on their shotgun that's not working that needs work. You find out a week before, you don't even know if you can get it ready and back to you in time to hunt. But the worst thing is that, and we've covered this, I always say that shooting is a perishable skill. And if you have to think about the shot when you're out there, that's when you're going to miss that opportunity of a lifetime. And you really need to practice so that you're comfortable and confident when you're out in the field. Yeah, there's nothing worse. We've got, you know, we have so many people that come through here, and we just love hearing about all the adventures they have lined up, um, you know, whether it's local in Colorado or they're going on something more extravagant in Alaska. And if you aren't ready and there's some, you know, if you have an improperly functional rifle and you've spent all this time and energy and, and money on this sometimes a trip of a lifetime only to find out that things aren't operating right it's 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 a horrible story and we and it drives mark crazy when he has people that come in you know afterwards and ask how it went only to find out that you know everything wasn't put together as well as it should have been so yeah well, preparing for stuff like that is is very important. Well, and the other thing is, if you're in that hunting situation, your heart's beating 150 beats a minute. If it isn't, you shouldn't be out there, yes. and you're not going to have the same focus and concentration that you would. You know, I when I'm at the range, I can think about my sight picture. I can think about my follow through. I can think about my trigger control. You can't think about those things when you're in the field, or you will miss, or you won't get the shot off. And what about? You know, self-defense situations. I know you've got a concealed carry course coming up. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you're in a stress situation where you're defending, somebody's breaking into your house, you can't think, okay, now I need to place the sight here and I need to pull the trigger in this way. If I'm missing low and to the left, I'm. that stuff's got to be automatic. And it's important that you practice enough that your instincts take over. Yep, you are exactly right. There's no perfect situation for any of that, whether it's hunting or, like you said, the self-defense. So, yeah, practicing on all the different disciplines with all your different firearms is very important. And we do have our next concealed carry course coming up this Thursday, um, the 6th. We do They fill up fast, but on this one we do still have some spots available. And if you want more information about that, um, you know, everything is always on our website at coloradoclays.com. And then the other thing we have this month, um, and we've been getting a lot of great responses for this, is our introductory shotgun clinic, and we still have some spots available for that as well. You know, and the concealed carry, I'm going to make a comment to people that maybe are on the fence about firearms, whether they should even own them, because it can be a touchy subject. Um, Take a concealed carry course, and you'll understand the law and what's involved, and you'll understand how safe handling of firearms is accomplished. Even if you don't plan on carrying yourself, it makes you so aware of what what's involved with it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, that's very true. We actually have people that come just to be educated and never even go apply for the permit. The information that you get out of the class, it's, it's so great, and things that you would never even think about. And people do it just to have the knowledge, even though they never plan on, on actually even getting the permit. So, yeah, some great information that you know comes out of that class. And Mark teaches that, and as you know, we can't, you know, say enough about Mark. He's he's great. And... Well, we could, but we can't say it on the radio. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> 
<laughs> no, Mark's been a Mark's been a friend of this show for decades because back back when he worked with uh, Parks and Wildlife, he would come on and we would do a survival course. Uh, right on the radio, a two-hour survival course on the outdoors, and he's so knowledgeable. Oh yeah, he's so knowledgeable. He, yeah, we have a great staff here. He's great. We also have another uh, range office, officer. Her name's Amy. Um, she does a lot of teaching. Great with females. Um, she's doing the. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The well-armed woman uh, once a month uh, club that we have here now. So we do have a great staff. Jr. Everybody here. Everybody aims to make people comfortable and have fun, and and you know it's a great place to be just it's always great here all right we're gonna have to let you go but i'm gonna have austin call you directly so jr and <laughs> and uh your husband don't corral him and yeah and, t- and they will too so well yeah, i know directly. of course you know maybe maybe he can trade out a guide trip for an introduction oh, yeah. no, trust me they'd be all over that yeah <laughs> Corey, you have a great fourth of okay, july you guys too. happy fourth of july you bet that's right, Corey from colorado clays terry wickstrom outdoors is brought to you in part by um, Honey Smoked Fish Company's Honey Smoked Salmon. And I want to tell you real quick, Austin, um, have you had Honey Smoked Salmon? certainly have. It's delicious. I, it, one of the things I love about the Honey Smoked Salmon is, you know, everybody goes in the store and says, well, it looks like it's more expensive. Well, the package costs a little more, but when you look at the price per ounce, it's about half. The reason they have to give you such a big chunk because it tastes so good. The other <laughs> stuff is dry and you get tired of it. This stuff you just can't quit eating. Um out in the boat in a cooler, what a great snack. Certainly is. You know, it's so easy to get out there and guiding or fishing and not eat, but grabbing a nice pack of honey-smoked salmon is just fantastic. And all you need is some crackers with it. Now, at home, I'm, I put it in. I make spreads with it. I put it in pasta. I do all kinds of things. The problem I have is when I'm eating it, i got to be careful that I save some for the for the dish I'm making. <laughs> and it comes in flavors. It's available at stores throughout, throughout the United States, really. But it's just a, a super, super product that uh, people... Uh, I had a fishing guide that I fished with in Tennessee, and he would go fishing and all catch and release. Then we'd have honey-smoked salmon afterwards, <laughs> so you'd eat fish as part of the experience. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just a great product. All right, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon's Honey, Honey Smoked Fish Company's Honey Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. In studio with me is Austin Parr. Boy, two hours goes by in a hurry, doesn't it? Really it really does, doesn't it? I want to. We got a few minutes left here. I want to kind of tap. First of all, you're a guide. How can people get a hold of you if they want to follow up on some of the things we've talked about? So, you know, my my email is walleye93 at gmail dot com. But certainly stopping in to Discount Fishing Tackle and talk with me. I'm down there all the time. Down at Discount Tackle, and you have a Facebook page. I do. Yes, my personal Facebook page under Austin Parr certainly is a great way to wind up getting a hold of me as well. Now, I know you're on the water, you're guiding, you're at the tackle shop, you're a wealth of knowledge. For those of you that just tuned in, Austin was with us at the ISE show. He's one of our presenters on the tank. I'm sure he's going to be returning for that this year. Great guy, very knowledgeable. Fourth of July weekend. It's going to be a little crowded. Yep. And during the next week, it'll be probably a little more crowded. But during the week, it may not be so bad. A lot of people have time off. Where's a couple places? Somebody stopped by your shop and said, I just want to go out and catch some fish. I, yep. I Maybe I want to take the kids. Or maybe I just want to go out and I want to have some success. Give me a couple spots you'd send people. 
You know, in town, the fishing has been fantastic. We've been talking about it all show. The walleyes and the smallmouth have just been going like crazy. And even right along the shoreline at Chatfield, throwing some leeches under a slip bobber or maybe even a little bit of gulp for some smallmouth, that is a fantastic way to wind up going. But, you know, you could always go out to the northeast a little bit as well. You know, we're still dealing with a decent bite for the next couple of days out there. And, and the walleye fishing has been fantastic. And a lot of those lakes are not like Chatfield and Cherry Creek where you're dealing with an old gravel pit with all kinds of open water structure. There's all good points that stick out and, and, and rock ledges that, that folks can get out on and catch a lot of good walleyes and bass. But then also, if you want to go the opposite way, you could certainly head up into the mountains uh, down 285, Terriel Reservoir, although it might be somewhat crowded, is still going to offer some fantastic fishing as will Antero, which just opened up. Now, Antero's got a little limited shore access. It does. And it's hand launch only right yep. now. I think if I was going kayaking or something, that might be an or awesome a float place. float tube, absolutely. Oh, yeah, it'd be just fantastic. What about in town? You want to take the kids out? I always try to send people to the ponds. You may not catch big fish. Yep. Lots of little bluegills and bass. Is that what you find? I certainly do. You know, in a location like Lowell Ponds, up off I-76 in Lowell, is a fantastic place to go. There's a lot of small bass in there, but a mixture of some crappies and bluegills. But then... As you've talked on the show before, heading on up towards Loveland or Fort Collins, there's a fantastic arsenal of ponds up there. Oh, there really is. Lots of, lots of fishing opportunities. Um, and, you know, check the stocking report. A Certainly. lot of the lakes, especially the cooler ones, have just been heavily stocked. So, if, And that's kind of, you know, we have panfish here, but it's not like Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yep. So those stock trout kind of become our panfish, our introductory fish. And they also give you, there's nothing wrong with harvesting some of those. They give you the experience of taking a couple home and eating them. Um, you've checked that stocking report. And by the way, that stocking report, we put it up on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, as soon as it comes out. So if you go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, you're going to get the stocking report. You're going to get every time we put one of my shows up on our YouTube channel, you're going to get a link to my column in the Denver Post, and you would have known that Austin was going to be here today. That was posted yesterday, and you'd know that Al Linder was going to be here next week if you looked at our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So do that. But now, the stocking report. So we just had Armin in here, the program director. He's a Texas boy. He hasn't done a lot of this trout fishing. We sent him out. Tell people if they, if they read the stocking report, they just want to go out, take the kids out maybe, or maybe just get out themselves. What? You know, tell them a few places you might send them, but how would you fish for these trout? You know, there's a wide variety of different ways to go, but, you know, I just actually set Armin up, as we just mentioned there, with some good tackle to head on up into the mountains. But you can never go wrong with just a, a small hard lure. You know, a, a spoon is always a good play, a good way to go, but spinners also go good. But then, we, you know, in, in the break there, we were just talking that you could send out a, a bait line on a secondary rod if you have a second rod stamp to draw some additional fish in, certainly add deer numbers off of that bait line, and then, throw a spoon or you know Tasmanian devils are always a fantastic way to wind up going but even a fly in a bubble I grabbed Armin one a set of that and you could you know incorporate a two fly rig so up in the mountains especially in some of the high plains lakes like Antero and Antariol we're dealing with some great great fly hatches up there there's damselflies there's calabatus there's great aquatic leeches and and uh, chironomids up there so you can put a lead streamer like a woolly bugger in front then trail with a small section of leader in between the two flies and put a little calabatus or chronomid down below to retrieve backwards. And you could do that with a fly rod or a fly in a bubble. Absolutely, you can. I have a good question because I've been traveling quite a bit. The rivers were running really high and royally. I would think the water is starting to clear up. What are you hearing? Certainly the flows are still a little bit high, but we're seeing clear water. Uh, one of my... Good friends who lives up in the Roaring Fork Valley said that there's still a lot of water up there, but everything is a lot, a lot clearer up there. And then, you know, we're seeing like the South Platte 
the flows have remained relatively consistent. I was looking at the flow report yesterday, and we were at 250 CFS up there, which is about 100 under the average. Uh, but you're dealing with great fishing up there. And, you know, even on the Eagle in the Colorado, higher, a little bit higher flows, but certainly on the way down. And so, people, you don't have to wait till that flow comes down unless we get a rain. Yep. Because once that flow is high, it washes a lot of that silt out. It does. And, and now the water starts to clear, and those fish will start to move away from the shore a little bit and into the seams. Now, if it's really roaring, they're still going to be up near shore, but they're going to be feeding more actively. And it's going to be easier to make a presentation. Um it's a, it just got to kind of pick, you know, a river that's overlooked. And I know everybody goes down towards Cheeseman and all that, but the plat where it runs into Chatfield absolutely can be tremendous fishing right from the park all the way across the road. Yeah, and even up into Waterton Canyon as well, which is just a fantastic resource. And a lot of times you can go up there and the parking lot can be full, but you go up fishing and there's nobody fishing up there. Yeah, so they're, they're all just, hiking. They're right. all hiking and riding bikes. And, and although the, the main trail might be a little bit busy, you know, grabbing your mountain bike, cruising on up there a little bit and and throwing a little dry dropper in some of the edges of those seams can be good. Now, that flow I was looking at the other day, I, I it's been several days, but it was up into the 800 CFS kind of range. So it was up a little bit high, but certainly paying attention to that. And, you know, a great resource for that is off the Colorado Division of Water Resources. You can go on there and, and check out the real-time stream flow. So if anyone's looking to, to go out and wanting to see how the river flows are, you can see that and see it on a graph on where it should be and where it is at the moment. The last point I'm going to make, because we've got to wind things up, if you are going to fish some of these hard-flowing rivers, leave your way at home be careful out there yeah, it don't is don't even dangerous. because don't be tempted to stay in the fish are still going to be accessible from shore you don't have to what wait out in the middle i know it's easier to make a cast but with the water this high it just takes one misstep it's not worth it well and you know people die all the time and there was actually a, a, i saw someone died up on the pooter the other day rafting up there so yeah, the water's so, dangerous yeah just be careful one more time if they want to get a hold of you, austin how do they do that my phone number is 303 514-5546, or you can get a hold of me down at Discount Fishing Tackle. And you're there most of the time? Most or? of the time. Mo you know, I'm guiding a lot of mornings, but in the afternoons, you can pretty much catch me almost every single day down there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. A thanks lot of great so information. Thanks so much for having me, Terry. I really appreciate it. We're going to wrap up today's show. Um, hopefully, you got, you got some good knowledge. First of all, everybody enjoy a safe 4th of July. I want to comment. Uh, they're cracking down on drinking and boating right now. The Operation Dry Water is on. Uh, one drink while you're on the water can affect you as much as three when you're not because you're out in the sun. Your equilibrium is already affected by the waves. Uh, it can fool you. So be careful. Don't get a ticket, but most of all, don't have a tragedy. Be out there. Enjoy it. Enjoy the resources. Be courteous to the other people. It could be a little crowded out there this week. Make sure that you share the outdoor space with other people. You can catch us every Saturday morning here from 9 to 11 on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Everything about this program, don't don't forget to send in your Ask the Expert question. You'll find those on Terry Wicks from Outdoors and links to our YouTube channel with our 22 seasons of television. We're going to sign off. Thanks to uh, Kyle and thanks to Karen in the control room for keeping us out of trouble. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour. Yes, you stood